It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Hey, welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Indeed, ideas do matter, and let's have a conversation. Uh, wishing you just all a very great day. Uh, Steve's running the boards. Producer Steve, great to have you, and a great show that we have planned for you today. Uh, in the second segment, we will be talking with Marla Reichert uh, regarding civic conversations. She is the chairwoman of the uh, GOP down in Pueblo, and excited to chat with her about that. And then in the third and fourth segment, you know him, uh, economic historian Dr. Brian Dimitrovic. We're going to talk with him about what's going on with the economy. So a great show planned for you today. Uh, let's jump into some headlines, though. Um, I guess I better set everything, though, Steve. I'm, I, I should probably go ahead and do that. I don't know where you start. There's so many things <laughs> buzzing out there. But the funny thing is, I'm looking at what you've got in the run sheet, and it's like, there. You know, I, I would div- divide... Headlines into the class A's where they're, I mean, these are incredibly important. Like, you know, yeah. Trump is going to use drug money to build the wall or something like that. And then there's the class B's like this bozo in Chicago who's now, I guess he turned himself into police. So that that's a good sign. Yeah. You I know, mean, it, for his false arrest or I'm sorry, his false incident reporting and whatnot. It looks like a felony criminal charges might be uh be uh, charged against Jesse Smollett. I think that's his name. But before we do that, I wanted to make sure that you guys know about our great event that I'm working with Dr. Thomas Cranawitter and his team at Speakeasy Ideas and Jen Hewlin over at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial. This is our Vino and Veritas Wine and Truth. It is a study of the Federalist Papers, uh, and we will be studying them all year long. We're meeting on the fourth Monday of each month. Now, we are sold out for this particular event, and I know so many of you have said, oh, I want to get in, I want to get in. Well, get on the waiting list, because we are going to be addressing demand. We're trying to figure out where to start another one. So email me at kim at com. We will get you on the wait list. Uh, and our presenting sponsor in January was Harmony Ridge, Const- Harmony Ridge Construction. And uh, Rafe Patton and the group over there at Harmony Ridge, if you have a project, a residential project, uh, they are fabulous people to work with. So a great shout-out to Harmony Ridge Construction. And then our presenting sponsor in February is Susan Kochevar with the 88 Drive-In Theater. And spring is right around the corner. I know it's hard to believe, but it is. And uh, Susan will be opening sometime in March. So thank you to our presenting sponsors for Vino and Veritas, Harmony Ridge Construction, and Susan Kochevar at 88 Drive-In Theater. So, Steve, let's jump into... um, these headlines. Let's let's talk just a little bit about this one that you mentioned. This actor, you know, I, I think I must live under a rock because I really don't watch much TV and I don't go to very many movies, so I didn't know who the guy was. <laughs> Nor did I. <laughs> but for most of you, I think you probably know this story, but he is, uh, this guy's an actor. He's black, and he uh, filed a police report 
that uh, two guys, white guys, that were, um, I think, saying, you know, make America great again, had, um, you know, beat him up, that thrown bleach on him and put a noose around his neck. And so he filed charges. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are all kinds of, of press, the, the, the radical, progressive, activist media types were all over this uh, regarding racism. And as it turns out, he paid a couple of, of guys who happened to be black to do this. And, uh, you know, my mom always said, you really should tell the truth, because if you don't tell the truth, somebody's going to find out. And I think this Jesse Smollett just had a big lesson, Steve. It takes my breath away that, you know, okay, I confess I listen to Rush Limbaugh a lot, uh, but he he was trying to set the stage for this the other day. It's like, thank God that this didn't go through the way it was supposed to. Supposedly he had all uh, cameras set up to capture the video so that that could go out to the major uh, media outlets because here we have another incident about how these Trump supporters and how they really uh, behave. Well, and if Trump supporters are so racist, why did he have to stage this? Well, yeah. That's the big, big question, because it is a narrative that is being pushed out there. And, you know, there certainly, you know, there can be individuals that, you know, we can't talk to that on an individual basis. But on the big basis, the the people that are supporting Trump and the American idea, they want prosperity for everybody. And regardless of what the, the descriptor is, woman you know, man, white, black, gay, Hispanic. I want prosperity for everyone. And the best way that you can do that is when you have the American idea that that is freedom and that's free markets, people able to strive. And if they do well, instead of a tax code that penalizes them for doing better, that you actually get to keep more of your money. And, it, you know, yesterday, um, I guess I guess we we recorded. I have to remember that was Jason McBride, and that's going to be playing probably in March. But he went through just the effect of what the Trump tax cuts do for everyday hardworking Americans, and across the board, tax rates have gone down significantly, which means hardworking people have more money in their pocket across the board. There's there's no race, there's no no gender, there's there's nothing. It's better for everybody. Exactly. So, you know, the big two, the two, two word phrase that's entered our lexicon in the last two years is fake news. And it's one thing to take a, a something that really did happen and warp it to a degree. True. And, call, and, you know, that's essentially fake news. But here's an event, this situation with this young man in Chicago, it was totally fabricated. I mean, paying off the guys to, you know, to, to carry out the attack. And the only thing that went really wrong is that his camera was not set up correctly to catch it. So, but, you know, the the point that, was, that Mr. Limbaugh was making, he says, suppose they would have been successful and they would have pulled this off and that video would have been leaked to all the major media across the country. Mm-hmm. And boom, boom, boom. Here's another major distraction about how Trump supporters carry on and therefore it makes the president look bad Mm -hmm. and again a major distraction right uh and so though for that steve i am really encouraged we have talked about this i think the veil is off this has been percolating all this kind of stuff has been percolating before trump ever said he was going to 
run for president. My heart was becoming more and more concerned about the direction of America. And I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But this has been percolating underneath. And uh, with with President Obama, you know, when there was the attacks, or not the attacks, when there, um, you know, the young black guys that were committing crimes and, you know, things happen. And he gets up and, and says, this looks like, like my son. I mean, he was so divisive. All of this has been percolating underneath, but now the veil is off, and that means we, we see the truth. We know what's going on. We better move on here, but there, was there a bright spot in all this? Well, Kamala Harris and uh, Cory Booker, they took off with it before the, all the facts were in and pretty, made them, pretty much made themselves look rather foolish. To that point, you know, I was down at Leadership Program in the Rockies this last weekend, and I, now I can't remember which speaker mentioned it, uh, but I am hearing just really good support for President Trump in 2020 by people that, you, that weren't on the Trump train in uh, 2016. And a lot of it has to do with the economy. I mean, we're looking at 3% GDP growth. We'll be talking with Brian Dimitrovic in segments three and four about what he sees in the economy. The Democrats are doing everything they can to try to slow this economy down. Because if, in fact, we really get it going, they know for sure that they're going to lose in 2020. And I think they do. They're very concerned about that. And so instead of uh, actually, you know, having the election in 2020 because they're so concerned they're going to lose, they're either going to try to impeach him or they will also do what Colorado is trying to do is the national popular vote where – Whoever gets uh, the national popular vote, whoever supposedly gets most of the votes. However, we do know that Los Angeles had more people registered to vote than actually lived there. And that was via Judicial Watch. So they're going to try to cheat because Ooh. they know that they can't really win in the battle of ideas right now. We call that moving the goalpost. Yes. Yes. So anyway, I'm very encouraged. So uh, from this whole list of headlines that I had here, that was number one. <laughs> and we've got about two and a half minutes. So I, I think the next one I want to mention, I find this absolutely fascinating. The Trump administration is going to cancel $929 million that had been uh, California was planning on for that high speed rail funding for that train, that bullet train that goes from nowhere to nowhere. <laughs> and, you know, $929 million, that's a pretty good down payment on some more border wall. And my other point is, is if there, and this was something that uh, I really took a stand on when I was uh, on city council of Lone Tree. And it was a journey for me. Uh, probably the one thing that I wish I would not have done when I was on Lone Tree city council is when I first got on to the council, uh, there was a question that was put before us on whether or not Lone Tree should go after, should request federal funding for the Southeast Light Rail Extension. And so you kind of gave a head nod. It wasn't a real vote. There's nothing on record. And I, I'm, in my gut, I'm kind of like, I'm not sure that that's really the right thing to do. Um, but anyway, uh, we went, they went after $96 million of federal money to build that 2.3 miles of Southeast Light Rail Extension. The price tag was anywhere from $207 million to $250 million for 2.3 miles of uh, light rail. So I'm on city council. I'm learning more and more. And uh, the vote is going to come before us regarding the Southeast Light Rail Extension. And 
I had read something. Um, I f- now I'm forgetting um, who it was. He's um, anyway. Um, oh, John Eastman, Professor Professor John Eastman, where he talked about the Commerce Clause. The Commerce Cl- Clause is to be used for the the welfare of everybody. It and in everybody in the country. And in fact, uh, one of the presidents had vetoed. This was a long time ago. Funding for the um, Oh, a road uh, in, the, I think, the Cumberland Gap, because that only benefited those particular people. It did not benefit all of the Americans. But yet they made the case under the Commerce Clause that uh, lighthouses along the eastern seaboard did uh, could have federal funding because that, that benefited everybody because of the uh, ships coming in and uh, the merchant ships. So as I realized it, I thought, this is not fair that we take money from our neighbors and also as uh, as much debt as we have uh, in, in America that we're passing on to our kids, it didn't seem right to me that we, in fact, would be mortgaging our children's future and taking money from our neighbors for 2.3 miles just of light rail in my neighborhood. So I voted against it. So to that point, I am lauding the Trump administration that they are canceling $929 million that uh, in California for high-speed rail funding. I'm sure the Californians are even madder at him than they were before. So before we go to break, um, just want to give a shout-out to one of my valued partners, and that is Hooters Restaurants. Uh, Hooters Restaurants, um, my story with them is a story from when I was on city council. This is really a story of, of freedom, proper role of government, picking winners and losers. So if you'd like more information about that, just email me at kim at com. But uh, March is right around the corner, and uh, I love March Madness. I am a KU basketball fan. And uh, so if you want to have a great place to watch the games, go to Hooters Restaurants because uh, they have all kinds of different specials. And if you'd like, they can actually deliver to your front door. If you want more information... Uh, check out HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks, and we will be right back with Marla Reichert. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and AmeriChick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at AmeriChicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Dissecting issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. 
Let's have a conversation offering you the conservatarian perspective. And we have on the line with us Marla Reichert. Uh, she is quite a woman. She, she uh, is down in Pueblo. Uh, she is the chair of the Pueblo County GOP. And uh, welcome, Marla Reichert. It's great to have you on the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Good morning, Kim. It's good to be here. So, uh, you actually, let's just talk a little bit about 2016. Something uh, very amazing happened down in Pueblo in the 2016 election. That is true. Pueblo County voted for a Republican for president for the first time in, I think it was 36 years. And how did you pull that off down there? Well, it wasn't me. It was uh, it was a perfect storm of events. Uh, a lot of it had to do with, with Trump and the things he was saying about growing the economy and jobs. Uh, Pueblo's still, still a steel town, and um, we're seeing the fruits of that. Um, our mill is growing. They're hiring. Um, people are having prosperity back in their lives again. So I think that was part of it. We had a street team out on the street corners with, with signs and you know, just letting people know it, it's okay to not believe the, uh, the media stories that they were hearing. Well, and Marla, you are, are starting something that I think is, is so important. Tell us a little bit about this Civic Conversations uh, that you are starting this project. Well, uh, we have a... Our first one will be this coming Saturday, and we've got uh, Tom Cranowitter coming down. Nice. Uh, he's a con- he is, he's a constitutional scholar, as you know, and and we're just going to talk about what it means to be a citizen from a nonpartisan perspective. We're going to talk about the Electoral College, which, um, as you know, Colorado did a, an end run last night, and the Democrats voted to give away our influence in presidential elections. So we're going to have a lot of work to do there to undo that damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll just be having a conversation about why the Electoral College is important and why freedom is important um, over force of government. So it's it's nonpartisan. We're bringing in a lot of students, um, and we're just going to talk about freedom. You know, Marla, I think there really has been an assault on the Electoral College. I know that, um, I mean, several years ago, uh, some an academic that I know, um, and she had gone to the University of Texas, she was advocating for the abolishment of the Electoral College. And, and one of those things, again, I kind of thought, well, this is kind of interesting. I, I, I mean, I... I I knew the Electoral College was important, but it did cause me to actually do some research on it and understand it. It is in the Constitution, and the reason that the founders put it in there is so that the high-population states uh, didn't, you know, uh, take away the voices of the smaller-population states. And so it's it's kind of complicated, but it is absolutely brilliant. And now what, what they're wanting to move, we are a constitutional republic. And so when people that... Say we're a democracy, and I, I again, I know academics, attorneys, people that should understand that we are a constitutional republic refer, refer to us as a democracy. And the founders realized a democracy gets to mob rule because a 51% vote that they can take the money or whatever from the other 49%, it's like a mob. And so the Electoral College is really important. So what you are doing is is uh, just critical. And But Marla, I am finding people here in Colorado, 
all of a sudden the veil is off and they're hungry to learn. And uh, I think that we need to make sure that we, you know, we fill that need and with the truth and, uh, you know, what the founding really was, is. <laughs> oh, it, it is. It's we, I like to tell people that, you know, unfettered democracy is two wolves and a sheep deciding what to have for dinner. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, at its, at its very, I mean, it, and it sounds good and it sounds fair and it sounds kind, but it, it completely makes Colorado take a back seat, will never be important in a public, in a presidential election. And it allows people who have a different way of life than we do to decide how we're going to live. And that's just not, we're a federation of states. We are independent, sovereign states. And Colorado should speak with Colorado's voice, not L.A.'s. Well, that's as for sure. And I, I don't know if you were listening in the first segment, but I had just mentioned that President Trump's administration is canceling $929 million in California for their high-speed rail funding. And and that is another, I think, a protection of the Electoral College that if, in fact, now that we are giving our voice to, to California and then they are going to affect who the president is, that means, in essence, they could then go back to Washington and they can take money from all of the other states for their, their failed projects out there. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, again, that is one of the things the founders understood and so that is why the Electoral College is in the Constitution. I think that there's going to be uh, certainly um, a lawsuit on this, don't you? Oh, I'm certain of it. And, and several of us are talking about, you know, let's get organized and petition and get this on the ballot. You know, the Democrats like to say one person, one vote. Well, then why didn't they let the voters of Colorado make that choice? Do we want to hand our our voice to California? Oh, that's a good you point. Know? That's a co- even so, and, and I think it probably is good to put it on the ballot. But I still think it's unconstitutional to change the Constitution. There's the Article Five uh, in the Constitution mm-hmm. to do so, and uh, we need to make sure that we stay with the foundation, the thing that has made America great, and that is. All laws, all rules, all regulations, everything needs to stand up to the muster of the Constitution and the vision of the Declaration that all men are created equal with their inalienable right of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And when you give your voice away, uh, that certainly is, is, uh, I think, an affront to the Declaration. But uh, let's move just another. I mean, you are one busy woman. And uh, (laughs) tell us about your Lincoln dinner. This is pretty darn exciting as well. When is it and who is your keynote? Well, it'll be May the 4th at the Pueblo Convention Center. And we are bringing James O'Keefe, who is the founder of Project Veritas and the author of American Pravda, and he's done a lot of uh, investigative work. Um, he's he's been a fantastic whistleblower, and we're thrilled to be able to bring him to Pueblo. You know, the, his James O'Keefe and his whole team—they have a lot of courage. They were the ones that did the undercover video on Planned Parenthood, where you had Planned Parenthood executives talking about. I, I hardly can say it, selling baby mm-hmm. parts. And uh, they've done just great investigative work. So if people, I bet that's going to sell out. Are you selling your tickets yet? Um, our tickets will be available March 1. 
Okay, well, that's just right around the corner. So it is, and that's probably going to sell out. But it's a pretty good sized venue, if I remember right. It is. I think um, we can have five hundred and fifty or to six hundred people, and I'm sure we will sell out. Um, so uh, we'll have our ticket links up on uh, our Pueblo County Republican Party Facebook page, and um, you know people can buy them buy them there, or they can call the GOP headquarters. And we can take care of them over the phone. Okay, so that uh, another question then: t- Are there still tickets available for the event? You said this Saturday with Dr. Tom Cranawitter and Civic Conversations, and are there still tickets available? Uh, we have a handful of tickets left for that, um, and those are are twelve dollars. And uh, the student tickets are available for six. Uh, and we'd just love to have people come and, and have a conversation. And, and if you're, you know, if you're exploring, you know, what does all of this mean? How are my freedoms being eroded? Why should I care? Uh, please come out and join us. We're at the Eagle Ridge Event Center at 5 p.m. We'll have hors d'oeuvres and beverages, and uh, we're just going to have a great conversation. Well, that is awesome. And I tell you what, I think that is a real bargain to get to hear Dr. Tom Cranawitter speak. I mean, I haven't been to a movie in a long time, but I think that's probably about the price of a movie ticket. And uh, you will uh, you will be very pleased if you take 12 bucks and you go out and hear Dr. Tom Cranawitter down in uh, Pueblo this weekend. Uh, because uh, he's really, he's on fire right now. And uh, he he's able to talk to speak across the spectrum to people from all political persuasions. Uh, it's really a nonpartisan, it's really a, a, an American conversation. So Marla Reichert, thank you for all the great work that you're doing. Any final thoughts for our listeners? No, um, just, you know, if you're interested in any of these events, uh, look for the, our Facebook page and uh, we'd love to connect with you and, have conversations about being free. Okay, and that is the Pueblo GOP Facebook page. And what is your website one more time? PuebloGOP.org. Okay, great. Marla, and, oh, um, go ahead. Oh, can I, can I give them our, our office phone number? We've got great volunteers on standby to take your calls at 719-295-0600. Well, great. Marla Reichert, thank you so much and keep up the good work. Thanks, Kim. Have a great day. Okay, thanks so much. And uh, let's jump over here. Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Kim. Sounds like you're having a heck of a show. <laughs> well, it's going to be a great show and glad to have you on here. What is on your mind this morning? Well, one thing, if uh, if it's okay, Kim, you had uh, Sonia McGarity on the other day. Right. And I, I think you thought she did a pretty nice job Uh her, her uh, newest little Downs baby is going in for heart surgery uh, this morning. That's going to be about a six-hour deal, so uh, I was just going to see if uh, if everybody could say a little prayer for her. If, uh, if you're not religious, maybe cross your fingers for her at least. Well, that is for sure. And if you happen to miss that show, you can go back and listen to it. Uh, it's on my website, americhicks.com. But Sonia Mer- McGarity and her husband have five biological children, five sons, and one of the the, the, the children is Down syndrome. Uh, and, and they, Sonia just so values life. And uh, they decided to really kind of put their money where their mouth is. And with young people, you know, with young moms that were in a situation that had Down syndrome babies, they've said, you know, if you don't feel you can parent your baby, you know, we will 
we will take care of your baby. So they have also three little girls that have Down syndrome. So this is the the baby then that's going in for surgery this morning, right, Jason? That's right, uh, the brand newest one, little uh, Charlotte. Okay, uh, so most definitely let's uh, say a prayer for Charlotte McGarity this morning as she is going in for heart surgery. Uh, so thank you, Jason. Anything else on your mind? Well, I'll make it real quick, Kim, since I took up a lot of your time with that, but uh, the Federal Reserve uh, released their minutes from their meeting yesterday, and boy, it's, it's amazing how they seem to have changed their tune from being so aggressive just a few months ago and saying how they were going to have to keep raising rates, and oh boy, it's, uh, there was no end in sight, and now... Uh, they're basically they most of the experts don't think we'll even see a rate hike at all this year uh, a lot of people even think it's possible there may be a rate cut that is so interesting okay call me a little bit cynical jason okay but it was, you're cynical. Uh, <laughs> wasn't it interesting that the fed was raising these rates as we were coming up to a 2016 election which that put a lot of questions in people's minds. And um, I think that the Fed has had raised uh, interest rates eight times in the two years since Donald Trump had been elected, and they only raised them once in the Obama administration. Call me cynical, but it sure seems a little fishy to me. Um, I don't think it's fishy. Uh, Obama's policies were so awful, the economy wouldn't grow one bit. There was no need to raise interest rates. When Trump got in and everything caught fire and started rocketing, uh, the Fed got scared that things were too hot, uh, that inflation was coming, and they started raising rates. So it's really a, a reflection on what a successful economy looks like versus one that is a failure. Okay, before we go to break then, why don't you just once again share that punch bowl quote? That is, uh, that's very telling. Well, that's from uh, uh, William Martin McChesney. He was the chair of the Federal Reserve from 51 to 70, and his quote was, the job of the central bank is to take away the punch bowl right when the party's getting started. That pretty well says it. Hey, Jason McBride, thank you so much. Uh, uh, if you you know want to, another set of eyes on your, uh, your nest egg, check out chickspresidential.com. That's my landing page with Jason and the fine folks over at Presidential Wealth Management. Again, that's chickspresidential.com. We're going to go to break. When we come back, talking with uh, Brian Dimitrovic. And, Jason, you have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye, Kim. We'll be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. 
Predovich and Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson dissecting the latest news, politics, and opinion as right versus left instead of right versus wrong. Or excuse me, right versus wrong instead of right versus left. I'm having a morning. Okay, agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. We are going to be having a conversation with Dr. Brian Dimitrovic with the Laffer Center for Supply Side Economics. And uh, be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com, and that is where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective Dr. Brian Dimitrovic, it is great to have you on the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Hi, Kim. It's really great to be here this morning. So I'm just I'm just dying to talk to you about the economy. What uh, what is going on out there? Yeah, I mean the American economy is supposed to grow all the time at great rates. There's supposed to be mass prosperity. There's supposed to be opportunity everywhere. We're supposed to be the land of the American dream. That's the normal. So if it's anything less than the normal, that's because government messed something up. So I expect this economy to continue to do pretty well because the the government is essentially retreating from economic policy. Okay. But it seems with the Democrat House, though... Uh, it, I mean, isn't this challenging it a little bit? Um, because, you know, Trump has done some amazing things or, in the last two years as far as lowering tax rates, trying to uh, reduce rules and regulations. But it seems that with this Democrat uh, Congress that they're trying to put the skids on this economic growth and, and prosperity. Well, Tim, I totally agree with you. Uh, I believe, and there are others like Richard Ron who made this point, uh, that the excessive leftism that's been displayed by the new Democrats in Congress, especially the new presidential candidates, is meant in part to spook the investment environment and to spook the stock markets. Because if the sentiment gets out there, hey, these people might win, then, of course, the stock market will go down, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Donald Trump and the Republicans will have a more difficult time being reelected in an environment where the stock market has gone down. So I think there's a method to their madness. Okay, I don't know if you heard Jason McBride on right before uh, you you came on, but he's with Presidential Wealth Management, one of my my great partners. And uh, he said that yesterday the Federal Reserve, uh, I guess they um, let let everybody know about the the minutes of their last meeting. And uh, they said that they're not going to be as aggressive as far as raising interest rates right now. But right before the election, it seemed like it was boom, 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 uh, raising interest rates, which, which I submit to you that I think interest rates were um, artificially low. But it seemed a little political to me. Is that possible? Of course it's possible, Kim, absolutely. The Federal Reserve is a creature of its own nature. The Federal Reserve still, in 2019 is embarrassed by what happened in the 1970s. The 1970s are as an important contributor to the mentality of the Federal Reserve today as in just about anything else. In other words, the Federal Reserve is still apologizing 
of the tremendous inflation we had back then 40 years ago. Okay. It is, of course, we wonder why we're we still worried about the 1970s, but that is. Well, that was my question, and, you know, I neglected to mention your two great books. One is JFK and the Reagan Revolution. I, what is it? The Secret to American Prosperity, I think. I'm doing doing that from memory. And then Econoclast, which that is like the, the handbook uh, for supply-side economics. So highly recommend both of those books. But explain to our listeners about the 1970s, what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, the 70s were absolutely uh, horrible. Really, the second worst decade in uh, American economic history after the 1930s. There was uh, upwards of 10 to 15 percent inflation every year. There were recessions while there was double-digit inflation, which is something much worse than we had in 2008. The stock market lost 75% in real terms from 1966 to 1982. We called it stagflation, and that's what the Reagan Revolution vanquished. I mean, four presidents couldn't do anything about it, and then Reagan ended it for good. Well, I remember, I'm dating, but I remember money markets were paying, oh gosh, I, I... Double digits for sure. I want to say 13, 14%. And I guess if you're, you're on fixed income, you're going, wow, that's, a, that's pretty cool, except inflation was eating all that up. Yeah, I mean, the U.S., the 30-year long bond, Treasury bond in 1980 was paying 15%. I mean, yeah, if you lock that rate in in 1980, that's terrific. But the inflation rate that year, in the first part of that year, was 20%. So these were wasting assets. Uh, yeah, m- money market funds were just try- try- desperately trying to chase after return. It was simply a horrible environment, and the Federal Reserve was so embarrassed by presiding over a hyperinflation for 10 years that they resolved never again. And it's still at the very forefront of the Federal Reserve's consciousness today, irrelevant as it is in 2019. Well, that is fascinating. Uh, let's let's move over a couple of things I'd like to make sure that we hit. And one of those is uh, what you see for 2019. Uh, I mean, I think that before the Democrat Congress was elected, we were looking at, I mean, we I think we could almost see 4 or 5% GDP growth out there in the horizon. But now it looks like that's pulled back a little bit. I think what, we're about at 3%. But what do you see for the future? Well, the 3% year in 2019, which will be made official pretty soon for 2018, is really great. I mean, that's the first time since, what, 2006 or a long time ago we've had 3%, which used to be the bottom of the American norm. Um, obviously, in Q1, growth is going to be down because the government shut down. That's a good thing. And then they'll go right back up in quarter two. I think that corporate rate cut and deregulation is still having its effect. And we sh- there really should be no reason we don't have 3 to 4% growth in 2019 because of those two big governmental retreats under Trump in 2017 and 18. Okay. So next question. Well, let's, we're going to go to break here in just a little bit. But before we do that, uh, would you once again give our listeners the five pillars uh, that you say yeah. needs, needs to occur for, you know, a great economy? Yes, right. Arthur Laffer called them the five pillars of Reaganomics. There should be low taxes, low, low tax rates. There should be low spending. There should be regulatory restraints, free trade, and sound money. You have those five things, you're going to have a, a splendid economy for forever. 
Okay, and you know what we have? I think we have time to bite this one off. Then I was at one of the Tapas and Topics women's groups that um, that is an offshoot of something that I'd started. And one of the women had been at a meeting. She um, where an economist had presented, and he was an economist that was not real optimistic about the economy. And he felt that uh, what Trump was doing regarding trade with China and tariffs was going to be a really big problem. What, how would you respond? Well, Kim, I am very concerned about trade barriers. I mean, we have to get to a world where there's a free flow of goods and services and labor and investment. That's very important. Now, if that means uh, a little top talk right now so that we get there, that's great. But if we should be concerned if the tough talk becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and then we just have trade barriers because... Commerce is essential to economic growth. So if there can be progress on the trade front toward the free flow of goods and services and investments, there will be great growth. Well, in the book that you had written, JFK and the Reagan Revolution, you wrote that with Larry Kudlow, who is one of the economic advisors to President Trump, which I, I take great heart in that. Uh, what, what do you think? Do you think this tough talk is going gonna, is gonna to work? Yeah, I mean, China has a kind of strange kind of communist malice model where they want to steal from the West and then use it against them, and that never works. So I know Larry is there in the West Wing of the White House saying we need to get to the point where we can clear out this Chinese espionage in favor of the free flows of goods and services and investment. That's what Larry's doing all the time. And with every passing headline in the financial press, we seem to get closer and closer to that goal. So... These pessimistic economists better watch out. If a free trade deal does arise with China, well, of course, I mean, the gate's open for big-time economic growth. Well, and I recall when we first were talking, you, you and I, regarding the, um, the Trump tariffs on China, you said that one of the things that was really brilliant about Trump, or, or I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> hopefully I heard it correctly, is the fact that he's actually gotten these countries to acknowledge that they have been charging significant tariffs on our products going into their countries. Kim, I remember that conversation. I, I do give him great credit for that. It was, he did that in Canada. He said, we've been talking, we've been congratulating ourselves for being free traders for the last 50 years while we have set up trade barriers, particularly the European Union, Canada, places like that. And he called them on their rhetoric. He said, well, if we want to be free traders, let's be free traders. And, it, again, if there can be progress on that front, getting down European, British, Canadian, Mexican trade barriers, then that's only going to be very positive for world and American economic growth. Okay, well, this is good news. We're going to go to break here in just a moment, Brian. The next question is, uh, and there was actually a headline that I saw early this morning that, um, let me get to it. Oh, well, oh, oh, here we go. It says, Republicans... No, no, that's not it. Uh, basically, then, it is uh, that Republicans are not saying anything about trade deficits or our massive debt. The debt apparently is at about $22 trillion, and I was whacking about the debt uh, as it was growing under Obama, and it, it truly did grow exponentially under Obama, but it is still growing under Trump. And so I'd like you to, to let us know what you think about that. We're going go to go to break when we come back. We are talking with Dr. Brian Dimitrovic with uh, the uh, Laffer Center for Supply-Side Economics. And uh, we'll uh, get your answer on that question, Brian. We'll be right back. 
Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Well, most definitely, we're taking care of business right here in the great United States of America. And uh, to let us know about that is Dr. Brian Dimitrovic. He is with the Laffer Center for Supply Side Economics. He is the author of Econoclast, which is really the the textbook for supply-side economics, as well as JFK and the Reagan Revolution, A Secret History of American Prosperity. Uh, Brian Dimitrovic, I always learn so much when you're on with us, so thank you uh, for, for joining me this morning. Let's jump in here, Brian, and that is the national debt. One of the pillars of uh, the five pillars of um, Arthur Laffer's uh, Reagan uh, economics is uh, to have sound money and to lower our spending. How are we doing on that? Well, we're not doing great on lowering spending. I mean, the budget, the federal budget, is careening towards five trillion dollars a year. It's, it's, it's four, over four trillion right now. Under and two thousand five is a two trillion. So uh, we're not doing anything in terms of controlling spending. I mean, Donald Trump is talking about a five percent cut in all agency spending past summer. If that came through, that would be historic at this point because nothing could cut spending. It, so, seem, it seems like everybody could tighten their belt, though, at least 5%. I mean, it seems like we should be able to do that. Kim, the funny thing is we keep hearing these statistics about how the labor market's tight, how it's difficult to hire workers. There aren't enough people out there to hire. That's why it's so it's such a beautiful environment for cutting spending because we can release all those government workers into the private sectors is a perfect opportunity to cut spending. Okay, and you've been talking about it, but with this Democrat Congress, that's probably not going to be possible, is it? Well, no, the, the Democrats are very interested in government spending. And again, I think the Democratic Congress now has questionable motives. They really want to see the American economy grow below 3%. percent they would like to see unemployment tick up. Um, so I, I, I don't trust them, but I do... I do appreciate gridlock and its, its possibilities in giving the market confidence. Okay. Uh, what about taxes? Do you see another possible tax cut coming down the pike at all? Well, I do think that we're starting to realize that the personal side of the tax cut last year wasn't as substantial as it could have been. I mean, the top rate only went down by two points. The corporate rate cut was phenomenal, I and mean, that rate went down by 14 points, 35 to 21. So if uh, somehow uh, a bit of supply-side fire got hold of Congress, if they cut personal tax rates again, I I see no reason we wouldn't have a repeat of the 1980s and 1990s economy right here in the 21st century. But if that happens, Brian Dimitrovic, where the American people would be thriving and prospering like that, 
Uh, I've been talking to a young millennial, and I know that you're a professor, so you're, you're talking to millennials all the time. But he was using this word intersectionality, which I heard okay. the first time I heard it, 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 it. It's a new word. It's relatively a new word. And that yeah. is, is, is my understanding, Brian, is where the far left activists have, have taken, um, I think, uh, different groups that they, they think are being discriminated against and trying to bring them together to affect public policy. Am I close on that definition? I'm afraid in academia I hear that word all the time, and I, I don't have the patience, I guess, to bother with the definition. I mean, it's academic jargon. Um, there's apparently some kind of leftist justification for government spending that it, uh, it helps this unfavored minorities. Let me tell you what, I have the opposite view. I, I think, um, and this goes back to Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, I, I think one of the points of government spending is to discredit its recipients. It's to humiliate the people who get government benefits. So, I mean, no, I, I don't give government spending any credit at all. I, I, I think it's meant to, uh, to make the people who receive it have dirty hands. Okay, and but we have seen, when, when you say that, we've actually seen though, a situation like when you go into the grocery store and it says method of payment, you've got your credit card and all that, you can also use your government card, your food stamp card now, because and the argument was is that it was demeaning to have to pull out your food stamps when you were at the grocery store. So now you have a debit card, if you will. So you're saying that the government, in, in effect, is demeaning people, but yet they said that they were trying to uh, not embarrass them. How, how would you answer that? Well, yeah, I, um, I, I believe that the government understands that the, the greatest threat to its own existence and its own flourishing is a successful market economy. If there is an independently successful economy, what need have we of government? So government has a narrow self-interest in seeing to it that the economy does not succeed. And through government benefits and food stamps, even if they're with debit cards, um, there is a dependency that is incurred within a market population that discredits the market economy, and that works to government benefit. Now, I, I don't really give government any credit. I, I think uh, government benefits is a contradiction in terms. So, Brian, can you address the cliff, though? There is kind of a cliff where somebody is, is, has all these different, you know, it might be child assistance. And, and under, the, under the Great Society of Lyndon Johnson, I think what he basically said to, to women is, is we will take care of you and your children as long as there's not a man in the house. And I think it's been a very detrimental both to women and men because then men did not have to be responsible for their actions, you know, regarding children and all. So I, I think that that's done something to kind of the, the heart and soul of us. I think we can get it back. But there's this cliff that uh, a woman might get to a point if she got a raise that she would lose a lot of this assistance. What would you say to that woman? Yeah, those fiscal cliffs um, were a signature of the Obama presidency in particular. He really ramped them up with all his great recession legislation. It got to the point where people like single women with children who were earning $30,000 a year, literally had to up their income to 70000 more than double it, to get any increase in income at all after they lost government benefits. So you were in a weird position of being able to double your nominal income and actually see your take-home income go down. That was a fiscal cliff, and that was all built into the welfare system that we enhanced after the Great Recession. 
Is Trump fixing that at all? Yeah, he did. He did do a lot to address that, including in the tax reform, and that is an unsung aspect of the Tax Act of 2017. Okay, well, that that is good to know, because I really think that there is dignity in <clears throat> paying your own bills and instead of knowing that you're dependent on someone else. Now, out, out here in Colorado, I know that you spent time in Colorado uh, because you were the uh, uh, visiting professor at CU of Conservative Thought and Policy. Uh, we've got just maybe about three or four minutes, Brian. <laughs> Watching Colorado from afar, what is your comment about us? Well, I think I've mentioned to you before, uh, Kim, that uh, Jared Paulus is an old intern of Arthur Laffer's, and he remains a very great friend and correspondent with that father supply-side economics. So there is that empirical connection, which I think should not be forgotten and even discounted. Um, Colorado is a great entrepreneurial state. It is a, it is a destination state. It is embodying, again, those old characteristics of the American dream that turned from the 20th century that we really should resurrect in the 21st. So, I mean, Colorado has it all right there. If they just keep those five pillars of economics in mind, they're going to be a, a shiny city on a hill. Okay, we're having a time, though. Down at the State House, uh, our, both our Senate and our House uh, really went very, very kind of far-left progressive activists, and some of the legislation that they are passing right now is, is kind of astounding, Brian. Uh, so that's going to get to Jared Polis's desk. And the fact that he is good friends with Arthur Laffer, I, I take some heart in that, but, but sometimes he doesn't talk like he's a good friend of Arthur Laffer's. Yeah, I mean, if Colorado wants to go the California route, I mean, a lot of immigrants from California and in Colorado and have all sorts of uh, um, bragging legislation about how how liberal it is, um, yeah, it's it's not going to succeed as it should, and that would be a tremendous missed opportunity. So Colorado uh, has the opportunity, again, to lead the nation in showing us, like Texas, how to do mass prosperity in this new millennium of ours. And if it fumbles that opportunity, um, I, I think people should be angry. Okay, great. We have just a couple of minutes. Going back to the word intersectionality, I did not finish my thought, and that is, is this young millennial that I was talking about said that if the economy continues to really thrive, that it is going to blow through this whole argument of intersectionality and that Trump is going to win big in 2020. Uh, what do you hear on the campus, on college campuses, regarding that po- possibility? Yeah, it, it, that, that, that's a great point. I mean, so, so prosperity and employment and opportunity just resolves all issues, all these kind of arguments about we're oppressed and we don't have any opportunity. Well, when there's tons of opportunity, that argument doesn't really make any sense. So I like that point. This whole intersectionality craze is a function of the lingering Great Recession. Interesting. Okay, now where can people find you, Dr. Brian Dimitrik? They can find me on my Forbes site at Forbes.com slash Brian Dimitrovic. Okay, great. And the two books, it is uh, Reagan, or, <clears throat> excuse me, JFK and the Reagan Revolution, The Secret History of American Prosperity, and then Econoclass. I uh, highly recommend that everybody read both of those books. So, Dr. Brian Dimitrovic, thank you so much. I love our conversations. Great talking to you, Kim. Okay, and uh, so... 
I, I find great hope in these conversations. And Dr. Brian Dimitrovic, I think, is a, a real positive voice out there. And uh, so I find a lot of hope in what's going on in the economy right now. Our quote for today is the great economist Thomas Sowell. He says, the old adage about giving a man a fish versus teaching him how to fish has been updated by a reader. He says, give a man a fish and he will ask you for tartar sauce and french fries. Moreover, some politician who wants his vote will declare all these things to be among his basic rights. So with that today, uh, think great thoughts. Um, Lost my paper here. So think great thoughts. Read great books. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChick signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Turning further from my